Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, you may notice a little different voice introducing today because Chris Swain is actually at Disney right now. I don't think he's having more fun than we are, but he is having fun. But what we want to talk about that's today... Que- that's actually questionable. I, I'm not a roller coaster rider. You're not a line stander either. I'm not a line stander. I, I'm, you ever seen a gorilla try to get into a Volkswagen before? No, but I can imagine. Okay, that's me on uh, the mine train. That okay, makes sense. So, uh, I'm not too keen about going to Disney World because I can't do much there. But it is The kids a, love it. You need a vacation after that vacation. I, that's exactly right. Anywho, millennials, I think, like to go to Disney. And that's what we want to talk about today. Not going to Disney, but discipling millennials. Ooh, good segue. How exactly do we reach millennials? Do we disciple them any different mm-hmm. than somebody older than them? What exactly does it look like to reach this seemingly confusing generation of millennials? Okay, so let's define millennials. I'm in the room, actually, with three millennials. Uh, I feel like the old guy in the room. We have Mr. Dylan Young. Who's on the upper end of the millennial spectrum? I, most averages would put me right smack dab in the middle. Ooh, okay. If you got a twenty-year age range right now, you're Ooh. nineteen to thirty-nine. That's what qualifies. Are as a you millennial. serious? Okay, yep. wow. So Colton on the lower end. Colton squeaks in. Dylan in the middle. Twenty-nine years old. I feel like I'm close to being a millennial. You act like one. I try, <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. <laughs> Is that good? And then we have Mr. Jonathan Simon. Who has replaced you? The new fact checker. As the pack, yeah, as the fact checker slash pastoral assistant Love it. here, uh, who's on the uh, lower to middle end. Twenty six. Okay, so I've got three millennials in the room talking about discipleship with millennials. All right, let's let's talk about some things we know for sure, uh, or, or we know about millennials. Seventy uh, percent of the careers. This is what's interesting that millennials will have have not even been invented yet. Uh, let me say that again. 70% of the careers they're going to have, they haven't even thought, people haven't even thought of yet. Because I, I'm now, I think the, the reason for that is because it's technology driven, right? Uh, millennials are the first generation, particularly the middle to lower, that grew up with the internet, right? Social media, <coughs> phones. I don't remember a time without the internet. Do you remember a time without cell phones? Yes. Do you? I'm a little bit older than that, but yes. Okay. Colton well, might not. I don't. No. What about Mr. Jonathan Simon? I do. We had the big, big uh, monitors. The oh, yeah. The big monitors, yeah. Okay. Uh, America's largest generation ever is the millennial generation. That's the generation uh, we want to reach. Yes. That's the generation we want to reach. And they view social norms uh, as is approaching them with a question, why? Why do we do what we do? Why do we do this? Why have we always done this? Uh, And I think this generation has endless possibilities. Now, here's the challenge for us as pastors, leaders, ministers of the gospel. You can't reach millennials today with the same techniques, quote unquote, that we used in generations previously. Uh, And what I mean, and, and I think that's one of the reasons just in general, Churches are not seeing people come to church as they did in in years prior. Here's why. The days of just having a good sermon, 
uh, decent worship and a good children's program and opening the doors to the community and expecting everyone to come in, uh, those days are over. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like people in America today don't think I've got to do my obligatory Sunday morning um, uh, attendance just because I have to do it. That's what you do in Christian America South or, or, or Christian America Bible Belt. That's not the way people think anymore, especially not millennials. No. Okay. We have so many options of things to do. Why, why do I need to go to church? Yeah. I got plenty of other stuff to take up my time. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's talk about four. This is going to be helpful for you if you're trying to reach millennials. Let's talk about four attributes, four uh, virtues, four things millennials are passionate about. Dylan did the research on this. Uh, he actually came up with an acronym. Why don't you tell him about the acronym, Dylan? The acronym, Chris Swain helped me with this. I don't want to take all the credit. I wouldn't give him uh, any credit. But it, Okay, well, he did help. I want to give him a little bit. I just <laughs> replaced him. I don't want to start uh, making enemies. Okay, okay. Did, Chris did job. help with this. Okay. We The main two books that we used to, to research this, which I highly recommend, there's a book called The New Copernicans by David Seal. Say that again. The New Copernicans. Ooh, why is it called The New Copernicans? The Copernicans were, Copernicus was a guy that questioned social norms like mm. uh, the millennials do. He questioned uh, things in the universe. And people thought he was crazy for the way planets were aligned, things like that. Um, but it turns out he wasn't that crazy after all. So millennials, a lot of times we're viewed like we're weird because we do things different. But maybe we're not that weird. Um, and then the other book, appropriately titled The Millennials by Tom Rainer. He did a bunch of research, polled a lot of millennials, asked them a lot of questions. Uh, and from those two books, we came up with an acronym the way you're going to reach millennials is just to care about them, to actually put in the effort to care about them. And that's the millennial. Uh, that, that's the acronym. You want to be compassionate. We need to have compassion initiatives, um, things for them to be involved in. We need to be authentic. Um, millennials, maybe more than any other generation, can sniff out a fake. Uh, we, we can tell if you're real or not pretty quick. Uh, you want to make your church just something that's relevant. Um, compared to other things in the community that they might do, and then something that's engaging, something that they can be involved in, um, that they're not just going to come, as we say so often, just to sit and soak on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Let me add one book. I just got this one. I haven't read it yet, so I, I don't <laughs> – I hate to in, endorse a book I haven't read. We potentially but, endorse this book. Yeah, but I do think this could be helpful with our conversation. It's a brand-new book just came out by uh, David Kinneman from the Barner Group and Mark Mat Matlock. It's called Faith it, for, Faith for the Exiles. Faith for Exiles. And basically what they're talking about is how do you reach people who – have exiled from the church. Now, these could be millennials, but I think this is more for just people who have come to church and been desensitized to church. Um, they're um, de-churched. They don't care about church anymore. So that would be another one as well I think would be helpful. Okay, let's dive into this. Let's dive into this acronym, okay? Let's take the first one, compassion. What do you, what do you mean by compassion, Dylan? Why, why should we be compassionate or show compassion? Millennials are motivated by compassionate initiatives. Uh, you may remember the End It movement or Coney 2012. Um, what was that? Things like those. What was the Coney 2012? Anybody remember that? Well, this is a good example because I honestly don't remember what it was. I don't either. 
but millennials were all about it. Yeah. Um, you're wanting to hashtag things. Fa- the fact check the uh, Jonathan Simon. Fact check the Coney 2012. He's already on it. Do you know anything about it, Colton? It was wildly popular, as you could tell. Colton was probably seven when yeah, this happened. Right. So, uh, but people got behind it. It was hashtagged all over the place. That was what they they wanted to be a part of. They wanted to feel like they were a part of something that was helping people. Um, they the in in the church. Obviously, we want to do things that help people. Um, we've got a few things coming up even here at Long Hollow, uh, like the gift, which is where we uh, we want to take an initiative in helping out single mothers. Um, initiatives like that. Those are the kind of things that millennials are going to get behind. Um, and that needs to be something that you make sure your church has. Yeah. Okay. So how do, how do we, let, let's think through this. How do we do that in the area of disciple making or discipleship? So one of the ways I was thinking is, um, I have always tried to take my discipleship groups. This is an insight that I've done years for years now, and it's been encouraging and I, they look forward to it. I have tried to take my groups on excursions, if you will, once or twice a year, okay? So a staple for me in, in, in years past has been taking my entire discipleship group to the prison or to the local jail, normally a prison, a maximum security prison. Uh, and what I'll do is I'll take them in and then we'll go into the prison together. Now, the first time I did this, uh, I, in fact, I had all millennials in the group, which was interesting. Uh, first time I did this, I was at Brainerd. Uh, they scheduled me to come in and preach to all of the, the wings of, the, of this jail. And they had like two guys' wings and one women's wing. And if you basically open the cell doors up, I could sit in the middle section, which was like a pod. And I had like, they had a piano set up and then they had a speaker system and I could project into the cells and the prisoners could come to the line. This is what I thought was fascinating. They could come to the line that was on the ground, but they couldn't come over the line. Okay, so you have hundreds of prisoners, literally a stone's throw away with a painted line on the ground, quote unquote, holding them back from coming out. So I take a bunch of, no offense, guys from Middle Tennessee or or East Tennessee in Chattanooga who had never been to a prison, never even seen a prison, you know, up close. And yet the pastor is going to take them on this secure. But here's what I told him on the way there. I say, guys, we're going to go in here and I'm not going to do all the ministry. I'm going to preach. But then at the end, I want you guys to help counsel and pray over people. And they said, really, us? I said, oh, yeah, it'd be fine. So we got there. I preached. And sure enough, I said, anybody want to accept Jesus, I want you to come to the line. Just come forward to the line. There was probably 20, 25 people. Well, I couldn't counsel all these people. So as I gave the invitation, Dylan, I said, hey, I looked to the, to the uh, guard and I said, hey, could we go into the pods? Could we, could, could we go into the cells? He said, sure, if you want to. So I grabbed the guys with me, and I said, hey, I need you to go in. Let's go in and counsel these people. And uh, they were blown away. For, like, what are you talking about? But they acted quickly, and so then we went in. And so they, they started praying. And by the time we left, were there like 30 minutes praying and counseling people? When we left, I looked around. Here's a bunch of guys who said previously, I'd never prayed out loud. I never prayed publicly. I never really prayed for people, really. Here's a bunch of guys I looked my left and right were counseling and praying and asking the Lord to, to work in, in people's lives. So we get back in the car. We drive home. One of the guys tells me this. I've never forgotten this. The, the week before, we had just studied prayer. We were going through Wayne Grudem's systematic theology book, which I don't recommend doing today, but back then that's what I did. So we were going through the chapter on prayer, like providential prayer. Why pray if God's sovereign? 
And uh, I told him, well, the answer is because he told us to. But, but anyway, so uh, we, we're, we're coming home. And here's what one of the guys says, and I've never forgotten this. He said, Robbie, I have to be honest with you. He said, I've been in church my whole life. He said, I've, been, I've heard sermons on prayer. I've, I've gone through Bible studies on prayer. You're teaching on prayer. He said, I want to tell you something. I learned more about prayer in the last 30 minutes than I've learned in my entire Christian life because I did it. That's what, in a sense, millennials want to do something. They don't want to talk about something. They don't want to think about something. They don't want to strategize. You know what I'm saying? They actually would rather do and think later about, you know, they'd rather just do it. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. When I go to a congregation that's middle age or older and I say, hey, here's a missionary. He's in China. Uh, we're going to support this missionary in China. Here's what someone who's uh, a boomer or a buster or, uh, or, or my generation, here's what they do. They say, well, I'll ask you, what, what is the, what, what, what is that? What do the, those generations do? I don't know that guy. Here's a missionary from China. Let's support him. How do they support him? Uh, they throw some money at it. They put money behind it. They'll come up after and say, Hey, what do you need, uh, Jonathan to go overseas? Here, let me write you a check. That's, that's an older generation. Here's what millennials do. What do they say? How can I go help that guy? When can I go to China? Exactly. You see the difference? Yeah. And, and, and pastor, listen, or, or ministry leader, listen, if, if you miss that, so here, here's the challenge for you as a church. If you're only building buildings, if you're only calling people to you, then you're going to miss a generation of millennials who say, man, this is not compelling enough for me. I'm not interested in doing that. Going to the mission field, I'll do that. Serving in our community, I'll do that. So that's the first one, compassion. That's good stuff. That's the beginning of the acronym. And I want to pause before we move to the rest of it to tell you guys about the Blueprint 2.0 because this is part of the Blueprint 2.0. Yeah. One of the breakouts that we have at the Blueprint is talking about this stuff, how we reach millennials, how we disciple them. And we want to invite you guys to it. The Blueprint 2.0, it's going to take everything you learned in the original Blueprint and build on that. You're probably implementing those things and you've hit some new roadblocks. You've come up with some new challenges. And now we want to see what the next steps are uh, to overcome those new things that we're learning about. Some of the sessions there include overcoming obstacles to sustain your disciple-making movement. That's the challenge a lot of you are probably hitting at this point. Um, developing transformational group leaders. How do you develop your leaders in that setting? And then talking about how do we reach these millennials too. That's another one of them. If you sign up now before January 1st, you can get into this blueprint for just $169. After that, it jumps up to $199. And this is going to be on March 5th, 2020, right here at Long Hollow. It's going to be here in Hendersonville, the Nashville area. It's a good place to come visit anyways. Why would you not want to come to Nashville? Why would you not? Uh, you can go to replicate.org and check out all the details on that Blueprint 2.0 coming up in March. And we get to hang. I mean, other than learning and being challenged, we get to hang and get to see people exactly. we, we uh, hear about or people we um, have heard stories about. So look forward to seeing you there. You can come meet the voices behind your favorite podcast. And we're back. I've been wanting to do that for a while now. The next part of our CARE acronym, we're moving into the idea of being authentic. I said it before, millennials can sniff out a fake. Yeah. We can tell if you're real or not right away. I think this is the most important part of the acronym. Millennials are all about relationships. We're constantly searching for those relationships online, whether we realize that or not. Yeah. And those relationships really are not relationships when it comes down to it. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, let me push back on some people because I've heard people say, 
what kind of relationship could you have online? What kind of relationship can you have through the internet? What kind of relationship can you have via technology? So one of the things Chris and I uh, do, okay, so Chris is a gamer. I'm a video gamer. Okay, we're gonna, I'm just going to admit it. Col- Colton's laughing. This is why I'm saying you act like a millennial. It's well, a negative thing. It's just I've, what you're into. I've always played video games. And, I, and, I, and one of the things uh, that's helped me with the video game um, hobby is that I've been able to connect with other guys my age, similar to my age, online in a community. Okay, so here's what's interesting. We'll go online, and I, I don't do this every day, but let's say I go online in the afternoon, pray, play for about an hour, uh, video games, whatever we play. We play PUBG, or we don't play Fortnite because I think that's more of a quote-unquote millennial game. But anyway, uh, we play Apex and some other games. But here's the thing. I get online with that community of guys, okay? And I know more, you ready for this, about the lives of some of those guys online, that, and some of them, I've never met until recently than some of the people I know face to face, some people I work with, some people in the office, some people in our church. And you may say, oh, what are you talking about? That's crazy. Well, it's because you can have community online. You can have community through technology, but you shouldn't have community only online. That's the key. And I think if we let, like my son Rig, if I let him, he'll stay online all day long. He'll never talk to anybody face-to-face because he loves being online with gaming. And so we need to stretch him. Now, when he goes and spends time with friends and hangs out, he loves it. So I think that's something we need to think about. I'd love to hear the feedback from those listening because I think I've been thinking about this a lot. How do you disciple a technology-driven generation? Okay. Because those are the questions we're going to have to answer in the days ahead, where church attendance is increasingly diminishing. You remember the statistic, Dylan? It's under two times a month people are coming to church. Okay, here's the new one. In 2000, the average Christian churchgoer went to church 3.2 times a month, Colton. Okay? So that means... A little over, little over three times a month. So they went. sometimes they went four, sometimes they went two, but most of the time they went three. The average churchgoer, now I'm not talking about peripheral, uh, sidebar, casual. I'm talking about people who would say, self-admit, I go to Long Hollow. I go to First Baptist. I go to First Methodist, whatever. Uh, I'm at uh, the PCA church. Okay, these are churchgoers. The average churchgoer goes to church. You ready for the new statistic? What do you think it is? 1.6. That is that Colton is might have cheated. That is exactly. How, did you cheat? I think I've heard it. You may have. Cheated. <laughs> wow. He spends a lot of time. I in mean, his that office. is that is better than Chris Swank because I could normally catch Chris off guard. Chris says, uh, and then you did he pat? Yeah, yeah. Colt got it. Okay, 1.6 times. So here's the thing: if your church attendance is declining somewhat. It may not be because of people leaving. Watch this. It may be because of the same people not coming as much as they did in previous years. So what does that mean? Okay, we either stick our head in the sand and say, ah, would you just keep beating the drum, keep ringing the bell. They just need to come back to church. Or we can begin to think about ways to reach millennials where they are. And these are just questions we need to So here's the question I'm going to throw out there. And maybe you go online and you can hashtag uh, the Replicate podcast or hashtag Replicate. And let's answer this question. What do we do with people 
with discipleship and technology. So here's the question. Can you disciple someone solely online? Okay. John, I don't know if we Jonathan, have an answer to Jonathan's that. Jonathan's shaking his head, but I just want us to be open to it. Well, he's new here. Okay, he's new. Uh, can you disciple someone uh, through FaceTime? Can you disciple a group? Don't answer yet. These are just questions. We're not searching for answers. Uh, can you disciple someone in a group setting online, like the new FaceTime group chat or Google Hangout? I don't know. Those are the questions. That, let, let's see what you have to say because I'd love to hear what the audience is thinking. Yeah, go online, hashtag us, and, and let us know what you think about that. You can hashtag Replicate or the Replicate podcast. Can you disciple people solely online? Yeah. That's a good question. I think a better question, too, is should you? Should you? That's a good one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think can you? I think yeah, obviously can. But should you? So give us some insight. Okay, let's get back to authentic. That's one of the things uh, we talked about with the election in 2016. I think a lot of people said, "Hey, I like some of the views." Uh, you know, conservative millennials. I like some of the views and the policies uh, of Donald Trump. But it's hard voting for a man with that kind of character. You know what I'm saying? With that kind of uh, bravado, with that kind of arrogance. We uh, don't just take policies into consideration or beliefs into consideration. We're taking the man into consideration. You almost also. had it. The policies and the person. So mm. you, were, you were so close. I thought you were going to get it. It's policies and the person together, right? I'll tell you an interesting way to think of it. Um, years ago, one of the – well, I, I would just say – Maybe even today, too, but uh, when preachers would get up to preach, they got up and they had this, quote-unquote, preacher voice, okay? You, you know what I'm talking about. You might even Your preacher may do this, and that may be his style. I'm not dogging the guy. Or, but uh, I will say today, in this day and age, millennials have a hard time with this, and they've even told me. where. Here's what I'm talking about. So you and I are talking right now. We're just hanging out. You know, just I'm in this kind of voice. I'm talking this kind of way. And then when I get up to preach, and I say, hey, I got to go preach. Open your Bibles today to Second Timothy. That's painful. <laughs> You've been there before? Yeah. We're so glad to be in the Lord's house today. And then he gets off the stage. He's like, yeah, hey, so, so glad you guys are here at the church today. And what happens is there's a disconnect there. Major disconnect. Major. And that's, that's a subtle thing, but that's exactly what we're talking about. Here, here's the greatest thing I tell pastors and preachers. You be you, Okay. God created you uniquely. There's no one else in the world like you, so you don't have to pretend to be someone else. You just be you, and that's what makes you unique. For a preacher, pastor, teacher, when the, the faster you can get to figuring out who you are and preaching the way God's gifted you to preach, uh, you will be unique. You will stand out because there's no one else like you, and I think there's a great tendency to try to be someone we're not people looking for authenticity. I don't even care if you're a millennial or not. Everybody's looking for somebody authentic. Jimmy Swaggart years ago, and you may remember him. My dad used to watch Jimmy Swaggart uh, as a lost person. <laughs> Jimmy Swaggart at one time was one of the biggest televangelists in the world, uh, and he was on television. My dad said he used to come home at night, stay late uh, up at night, kick back some cold ones, and watch Jimmy Swaggart. So here he is drinking drinking Budweiser's and watching Swaggart. And he was mesmerized by this guy, okay, as a lost person. Uh, the, the challenge with Jimmy Swaggart, and this is public knowledge, uh, Jimmy Swaggart got caught not once but twice with prostitutes on airline highway. And the reason I know this is it happened in Louisiana. I'm from Louisiana. Um, 
And the reality is here's a man who was living one life. He was still preaching. People were still getting saved. He put on this persona of this holier-than-thou pastor, and he had this alternative life going on simultaneously. Here's what's shocking uh, about this scenario. When he got caught for the second time, this is a great warning to all of us. When he got caught the second time, they interviewed him again because he had already fallen once, rebuilt his ministry back. God gave him another chance, and you know, and, and he was preaching again. When he got caught the second time, here someone questioned him. A news reporter questioned him and said, "Why did you do this again? What happened?" And I've never forgotten what Swaggart said. He said, "I felt like listen." I felt like I was doing so many good things for God that he would make an exception for me. Here's a man who lost authenticity, lost uh, integrity, and he thought, here's the, here's the thing, it's easy for us to think we're doing all these great things for God that he'll make an exception. One of the things to realize about the Lord, he doesn't make an exception for anybody. Doesn't make an exception for anybody. So, Great challenge for us as we close. Let's live with integrity. Let's be the same person on the stage as we are off the stage, and our people will recognize that. Amen. Amen to that. That is a great place to close. This has turned into part one of How to Reach Millennials. So we'll follow this up next week with the rest of the acronym. If you would, go online and rate this podcast. If, it, if you learn something every now and then, if it gives you a laugh every now and then, would you go online and share the podcast? Give us a rating, five stars, if you really like it that much. We would love that. We appreciate you guys listening. We will see you next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.